You're listening to the Tamar Yona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and I'm on with a special off-schedule interview with Mudar Zahran. He is a Jordanian politician, and he is the head of Jordan's opposition coalition. He's a frequently published writer, and he's a former senior officer for the U.S. Department of State through their embassy in Amman, Jordan. And you can find him on Twitter at Mudar underscore Zahran, and that's spelled Z-A-H-R-A-N. I, we will put that on the uh, description of the podcast page when we get this up on podcast later today. I want to welcome to the show, Mudar Zahran. Thanks for having me, Tamak. Okay, so you were telling me that you have contacts in Gaza, someone who is, did you say a general there? Or well, I've, what I've got I've got my I've got my connections all over the place. I come from the intelligence world, and uh, it's like a cult. Once you're in, you never leave. Actually, even though I'm not affiliated with any government now, I still have information which I think I'm authorized, or actually, you know, tolerated enough to share with your listeners without getting into trouble. Okay, before we go into that, why don't you just give our listeners a little a little bit of a background, just like a sentence or two of uh basically i i introduced you as a jordanian politician and the head of jordan's opposition coalition just tell our listeners what is that okay well we are an opposition body we represent all jordanians but particularly the majority of palestinian heritage they are the majority of the people who came uh, from israel and the nashtaqim or the territories west bank and moved into Jordan. Judean, they Samaria, up, how about that? Yes. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's the ancient name, and I'm fine with it. So they came from that area. Most of them, most Jordanians are Palestinian heritage, regardless of whether, whatever you want to call them. And I represent them because I'm the only representative of them, as described by several media outlets. De facto, uh, we represent the majority, and our purpose is a new kind of Jordan, which will recognize the national identity of the majority, and will uh, we have a perspective that's different towards Israel, which is partnership rather than competition. Uh, we've been through a lot. A lot of our members, some of them, at least one of them, disappeared completely we, years ago. Some. What does that mean? He disappeared. Just, he was literally disappeared. Like he was, God forbid, murdered. We don't know. They just, you know, in in dictatorships, you know, you disappear. They don't they don't send you to trial or anything like that. So we don't know what what's happened to to him. We know we never heard from him again. Uh, but we've had it all. You know, we've we've seen it all. We've uh, we've come under a huge media attack from the powers that be. But we're not going anywhere. And uh, we take pride in the fact that we are very similar in many many concepts. We've borrowed a lot of concepts from the Zionist movement at the beginning. And I, I kid you not, uh, we've, uh, we are confident we're going to change the regime in Jordan through peaceful means to establish a secular, peaceful state. But that's a different issue. I really hope to share with the listeners where we stand today at the war at four fronts, which is uh, Egypt, Gaza, the uh, West Bank, or Judea and Samaria, and 
the north where where everything stands because each and every one is very very different okay where would you like to start <coughs> sorry first of all there was a very very major and alarming incident at the israeli border just the other day and it was you know clearly overlooked by the media for your own good, I encourage you to listen without making any questions or comments about this issue. And, uh, you know, media is, is kind of controlled at times of war, but this is what I can say freely. What happened, and this is intel, intel, this is not me guessing, this is information given to me by the higher-ups in Western countries. Uh, 20... Egyptian soldiers opened fire at Israeli soldiers from the Egyptian guard posts. The operation, the way they were operating, they you cannot have 20 Egyptian soldiers colluding at one single spot to start shooting at Israeli soldiers. They might be a lone wolf, they might be a couple of crazy guys, but this number, opening fire right into where the Israelis were, is indicates, you know, a chain of command in action. They opened fire. Uh, an Israeli female soldier got injured. Thank God, nothing major, but she got injured. And the Israeli soldiers opened fire in return. The engagement of, of, of you know, exchanging fire lasted for almost an hour. And meanwhile, the Israelis were calling the Egyptian military intelligence, telling them what the hell is going on. And the Egyptians were very lame in the sense of, you know, oh, we're looking at it. Let's see. It's okay. Bottom line, the only analysis I can give to it is the Egyptians, particularly the regime in Egypt, who is very, very against what's happening in Gaza, very pro-Hamas, despite all the words and promises and nonsense, uh, they belong to the same uh, to the same outfit. So he's against annihilation of Hamas, and it was a message sent to Israel. And allow me just, and this is like all I can say about this, because the rest of it, I have more details, but I'm not at liberty to speak about them. There will be another similar actions coming from both the Israeli and the Jordanian borders. I, I, I repeat, there will be similar action of hostility uh, coming from both Jordanian and Egyptian uh, borders and they will both be sponsored by government in both sides the purpose is to scare the Israelis they know they can't go to war with Israel but what they know is if Israel is to attack Hezbollah which Israel seems to be going into that direction they want to send you the message that we can cause you a lot of trouble so don't go for Hezbollah this might be just too complex and puzzling for your listeners we'll we'll try and make it simple never bother to read what those Arab governments say, it's what they do what they do is Jordan's king is fully fully affiliated with Iran his peace treaty with Israel means nothing, it means free water for him and that's about it he's been affiliated with Iran since 2004 I have loads of evidence. This is not a conspiracy theory. I've documented this with articles in the American Thinker and elsewhere. 
Dr. Professor Eddie Cohen from Bear Alam University documented it with a, a piece in the Jerusalem Post. Jordan is one of Iran's puppets, believe it or not. So is Sisi of Egypt. He's very affiliated with Iran. And for them, going after Hezbollah is a huge, huge problem for them, which they don't want to see happening. Uh, the the NLA, NLA, um, destruction of Hamas is also a problem for them. And I've, uh, on your show, I spoke several times, multiple times, about how the king of Jordan is actually the controller or the handler of Hamas through the Muslim Brotherhood of Jordan, which he controls. And Hamas is, quote-unquote, the Palestine chapter of Jordan's Muslim Brotherhood. Repeat so that last line again, please. Hamas is not a Palestinian entity. Hamas is officially on paper, on documents, the Palestine chapter, the Palestine branch of Jordan's Muslim Brotherhood. And Jordan's Muslim Brotherhood is, according to Jordan's king himself, is, quote-unquote, a part of the regime. So it's like the Chinese Communist Party for the Chinese president, or the Likud to Netanyahu, Muslim Brotherhood, is that the same to the King of Jordan? So, lesson learned here, which I think you, you that you can never depend on promises or peace agreements, because the most hostile countries to you now there are countries working avidly against Israel in support of Hamas, uh, Arab countries. Three of them, three of them have peace treaties with Israel: jo- Egypt, Jordan, and an Arab or if you wish to say, Persian Gulf state that already has a peace treaty with Israel, it's it's those three who are pushing it in the United Nations and elsewhere. So it's back to the basics and back to, I think, it's a very sadly, sad, the massacre on the 7th of October is, a I think, a turning point in modern Jewish history. It's a sovereign event which reminds you that you cannot depend on anyone in your region or actually believe their promises. And uh, that's all I can say for Egypt if we want to talk about Gaza. I want to ask you a question. You said that you have people inside Gaza who uh, are giving you information. And right now, Israel is being tried in The Hague and being accused of genocide. What do you have to say about that? Okay, I have uh, the details. <clears throat> okay, um, Israel, um, there's one problem here. The problem, I, and I, I, you know, I can only, you know, say the truth. The problem is Gaza is, you know, very densely populated. So whatever you're gonna hit, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna kill innocents. What? A, so the only other option was doing nothing in Gaza, which was a non-option. They had to deal with Hamas. It's openly a policy. Hamas did officially, I can confirm that authoritatively. I'm not kissing up to Israel. I'm just stating the fact. I am of Palestinian heritage. On my mother's family side, they have relatives in Gaza. The Hamas were hiding, literally hiding behind civilians and under hospitals. It's not a cliche. They did hide under hospitals. The reason they needed the hospitals was because of the diesel fuel, because the tunnels need diesel fuel for ventilation and other purposes. 
and hospitals will never cut access to diesel fuel. So this is why they hide and the hospitals, not only to hide, but also to get the diesel fuel. And when Israel went for the hospitals, it was a very traumatizing event because, you know, it did shake a lot of the innocents in there. There was one incident where, you know, the Israeli soldiers went into a Shifa hospital. It was a very traumatizing event. But again, this is war. And yes, Hamas was under the Shifa hospital. This I can confirm from independent, not independent, from Western intelligence sources in both D.C. and London. Also, um, the uh, Israelis and a friend of mine who's a um, colonel at the U.S. Army, he confirmed to me that from what these American military intelligence have gathered, and you know they listen to your communications all over the place, uh, that the Israelis were very keen not to kill civilians. So, no, the Israelis didn't mean to kill civilians. Also, something happened, but a lot of civilians got killed nonetheless, thanks to Hamas and thanks to the fact that Gaza is overpopulated. And also, sadly, because some of them were very stubborn. When, uh, when Israel ordered them to move to the south, I was, you know, in, in, in awe. I couldn't believe that many of them didn't actually move didn't move because they thought, you know, we have no place to go. We shouldn't. Uh, actually, you know what? Israel is not going to bomb all of us. So there was, I think, very, very typical to the Gazan identity. You know, uh, Gazans are Palestinians as far as I'm concerned, but they are very different in their genetic makeup and their, you know, culture to the rest of the population. And one of their attributes is being very stubborn. And they refused to move, and that's why many of them got killed. There were two incidents, two incidents where in northern Gaza, two schools got hit at the same time. There was one school, I forgot the names, but one school got hit. And after five minutes, uh, the other school got hit immediately. And a lot of innocent uh, refugees got killed in both schools in access of like 100, in a, a total of 100. Um, that was bad intelligence. There was a Hamas leader reported to be to have been seen at one of the schools so an, a case of bad and in, bad intelligence now and at the scale of the way the ethnic uh, eth, uh, code of ethics of the u.s army or the british army is i think the israelis went above and beyond to save civilians from getting killed and allow me just to make it clear over here on a different issue a lot of people, especially Israelis, after they saw, they saw their little Jewish kids getting killed and beheaded, and Jewish young women, 13 and 14 years old, getting getting raped, and that did happen. Please, nobody tries to tell me no, it didn't. Nope, it's happened. It's been documented by the BBC itself, and BBC is not exactly in love with Israel. And um, after they watched that trauma, the Jews generally. Uh, are definitely angry, and rightfully so, but you, you need to know who Gazans are and who Gazans stand with. Do you hear me, Tamar? I do, and I want you to tell us who the Gazans okay, are. Okay, Gazans, 99.999 of Gazans hate Hamas. They do hate Hamas with a passion, because under 17 years of Hamas rule, Hamas, this is why I believe Hamas raped Israeli women, 
because Hamas regularly, often rape Palestinian women, especially women who go like to police stations over problems. If their house gets robbed or if her husband hurts her, usually they get sexually harassed when they go to Hamas police stations. So Hamas didn't spare Gazans. It definitely wouldn't spare Jews. Uh, Gazans hate Hamas, not because of any love for Israel. One, because they yearned to the days when Israel was there. And this this also applies to the territories, the West Bank, uh, Judea and Samaria. Every, every Palestinian I know who's old enough to remember when Israel was there, they yearned to those days when Israel was there. They had money, jobs, free access, free movement. But that's not the issue. Gazans hate Hamas. If you really want to know where Hamas is worshipped, Hamas is worshipped in uh, Judea and Samaria. People, Palestinians in the West Bank, they think Hamas is God. If there were elections, Hamas would win in the West Bank immediately. On the other hand, Hamas wouldn't dance. For the past 17 years, Hamas never held elections in Gaza because they know what's going to happen. So that being the case, no, I don't think Israel engaged in genocide. You don't think or you know that they did not engage in genocide? I know they didn't, but there has been mistakes. Operational mistakes at war do happen. The Americans were, you know, championed operational mistakes in Iraq, in Iraq in particular. So there's a huge difference between an operational mistake based on bad intelligence or the elusive enemy, and purposely bombing a building with, with children and women inside. This, there was not, I can assure you, my I, my conviction, Israel never bombed civilians on purpose. So, Mudar, I, w- I want to ask you a question, and we're having a nice, friendly discussion, and mm. I and and a respectful one, and and it's okay. I mean, in my book, when I have discussions with people, it's fine with me. If people come from different uh, aspects and and that, sure, and, and we don't disagree and sure. and that's okay. I, I'm I'm interested in hearing the other side, but that doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Okay, and I, I want to present something to you because I'm having a hard time accepting the argument that you're saying that 99.9 percent of the Gazans don't support Hamas when we saw that on October 7th when the Hamas had. Uh, we're, we're coming back into Gaza with naked women and hostages tied up and put in their trunk, uh, the, the, the trunks of their cars or, or, or trucks that the, that the Gazans were cheering and the Gazans were taking part in hitting these hostages as the trucks were going by. That they, in fact, invaded Israel with the Hamas on bicycles. Even there was an mm-hmm. uh, older man on crutches who were taking part in this and they they supported it. So I'm, I'm not connecting with what you're saying. See, this is, this is the problem. Um, Westerners, okay, you're Jewish, but you know, Israel mostly is a Western, Westernized culture, Westernized country in many ways. Westerners do not understand what happens our region. They don't understand, never really understand what's behind the picture. In Gaza, in Gaza, the people distributing sweets and desserts on the streets were Hamas. When they do something, like in Jordan, because I've been, I, I lived under the dictatorship. I know how they operate. 
They leave nothing to coincidence. It's a government-controlled society to the core. So when they go, you know, the guys who distributed uh, sweets on desserts on the streets in celebration of the massacre were Hamas members. The guys who took the photo were also affiliated with Hamas. But you didn't see thousands of Gazans, or at least even a thousand of Gazans celebrating this, because it was all very carefully staged. And I have to admit, I'll give this to Hamas, they are masters, masters of media manipulation and social media management. They, they are supreme, to be honest. That said, how can they be in love with Hamas when most of them turned after Gaza was considered a rich city when Hamas made their coup, the richest Palestinian city, even richer than Ramallah, they became poor. Hamas took, you know, imprisoned a huge number of them. If you criticize anything in relation to Hamas, you go to jail. A lot of people got killed inside jail. They are not hating Hamas because they love Israel. They hating Hamas because Hamas is a proto-dictatorship, never gave the Gazans any break. I am not trying to convince you that Palestinians, oh, they're against what happened and this is only a minority. No, I'm giving it to you straight, dry, the way it is. Palestinians in the West Bank. And some, I would say a percentage of Israeli Arabs are in love with Hamas. So in the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, Palestinian Christians love Hamas. Believe it or not, I've seen it in Beit Jala. Palestinian Christians support Hamas. Believe it or not. But in the in Gaza, because they've tasted what Hamas would have done to them, many of them, by the way, they have been vendettas with Hamas. Like they killed the brothers, killed their family members, took their homes, confiscated their money. And by the way, Hamas uh, controls the economy in Gaza. So all the big businesses, including communications, they took it over. So no, um, there's in my conviction no no discussion about the fact, no argument against the fact that uh, Gazans hate Hamas. <clears throat> okay, so I I just want to weigh in and just say that what I see when I see a funeral of a Hamasnik. I see thousands of Gazans out there uh, going to the funerals and and mm-hmm. uh, participating in this morning. I, I don't see, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm glad that our listeners are hearing it. I just don't, I, I don't feel that this is the reality, what you're saying. Um, I want to, I want to add there, I find it ironic that in Gaza, they don't want to have elections, because you're saying that they're afraid that the PLO, the Fatah will be voted in, and you're, and then yet in the West Bank, as you say, at Judea and Samaria, where the Arabs are, are living, they don't want to have elections because they're afraid that the Hamas is going to get in. But exactly. <laughs> it's ironic, exactly. but, but I want to say on both sides, in Gaza and in uh, parts of Israel, Judea and Samaria, and, and Arabs are living, living in other places as well, what they do have in common is that they all hate the Jews, and they're uh, all yeah. supporting the, uh, the, the terror and, and their quote-unquote Palestinian cause. It's easy to think that way, Tamar, but reality on the ground is different. What you said is the easy option. So I see this, I see that, I've seen them. By the way, the raiding of uh, the uh, southern part of Israel, 7th of October, in addition to the fact that it was a massacre, it was a bit big, you know, uh, 
they were hunting for booty, hunting uh, for, for, for loot. They stole cows. They stole uh, even uh, high-quality dogs like German Shepherds and others. They stole radios. They stole cars. They stole everything in the book. Hamas wouldn't allow the average Gazan to come and enjoy the benefits of raiding a Jewish village. So, because there's money involved. Hamas controls every aspect of Gazan's life. So therefore, it wasn't even possible that any average non-Hamas member would, would, would venture into that, that, this whole massacre. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, if my purpose was to make things up, uh, I would have told you that all Palestinians are against Hamas. No, uh, the majority of Palestinians with Hamas. That's a fact. And uh, in addition, uh, it's only the Gazans who hate Hamas because they've tried firsthand, hands-on, <laughs> how, how they were treated by Hamas. With that being said, um, I have no interest. I am in touch with Gazans every day. Every day. Every day. I can get you in touch with some of them. And you won't believe the stuff they tell me about Hamas. I'd now, be happy to still- speak with any of them that will speak English, that can speak English. I'll be happy uh, to. I, I, I think one of them could communicate in English and I can make you speak to them. The stuff they tell me is unreal. And it's not today. They've been telling me that for some time, before even before the uh, what happened the seventh of October, Hamas, Hamas, you know, it's like it's like you know the Syrians who were dreaming of ISIS taking over, and when ISIS took over, they they were begging God to, to rid them of ISIS because you know you can't live under Sharia law to be honest. So Hamas is that. But now let's move, if you wish to what the situation is in Gaza at the moment. Okay, wait, wait, just before you do, I just want to make it clear to our listeners, you yourself are Muslim, right? Absolutely. Okay, and, and you're Muslim. saying that being a Muslim, you yourself are saying that one can't lind, live under Sharia law. No, absolutely not, yeah, because it's not Sharia law. This is a whole different discussion, and I've had quite a few shows about it. Um, Sharia law, most of it, 90-something percent of it, comes from uh, books called Hadith. Uh, The Quran is a 500-page book. The Hadith is half a million page, several books. And they were written 200 to 250 years after the Prophet's death by men who never met the Prophet but yet claimed that they have written down every word the Prophet said. So, uh, kill the Jews, chase them so the stones and the trees would start telling you, here's a Jew hiding behind me, come and kill him. This is in the Hadith. This is not in the Quran. Uh, the Mahdi, you know, the, uh, the Messiah, which will come at the end of time and uh, kill the Jews and, you know, and kill the Antichrist. The Mahdi is not even, not even in many Hadith books, but again, in the Muslim dogma today, Everyone thinks the Mahdi is a part of the Quran. Mahdi was never mentioned in the Quran. And uh, therefore, the co- concepts of uh, Sharia, women covering their faces, is not in the Quran. Uh, and all, you know, all the nonsense which you see being practiced by many Muslims today come from the books of Hadith. And uh, the, we don't have uh, imams who, are, who have the chutzpah to actually criticize it because they would be called infidels at the spot. Yesterday, an Egyptian imam said 95% of the book of Hadith is absolutely false. None of it is true. 
and everyone has been every Muslim I know has been cursing him on Twitter since the morning. I hope so, he lives long and. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, I'm, I've been saying it for some time, and uh, trust me, God is on my side because there's no way God, a loving God, because we worship according to the Quran the same God of Israel. It's the word is used in the Quran about Pharaoh, and he said the God of the children of Israel, or the God of Moses. That's the word we use. So the loving God who gives us the gift of life, Tamar, would never approve of murder, slaughter, hatred, chopping arms, chopping faces, chopping noses, rape of children. Uh, a similar, one of the most problematic stories in the Hadith is the claim. And I'm sorry we're venturing into, you know, it's always it's always a non-ending pleasure to talk to you, Tamar. But um, the story is this disgusting story in the Hadith of our prophet, a man of God, and marrying a six-year-old and having sex with her when she was nine. This story has been verified and proved to be false. Nonetheless, it's been used as a gold standard for men to marry children, rape children in Yemen, in Sudan, in uh, even parts of uh, you know, Afghanistan and elsewhere, and all they, the problem is they blame it immediately on Islam when in reality it was never Islam and they have no right to do that. So it's, uh, it's quite, you know, heart crunching and uh, to watch what happened on the 7th of October because my biggest problem as a Muslim, my biggest problem, the majority of Muslims were supportive of what happened on 7th of October. I've seen those men sharing videos of that young woman being, uh, being uh, you know, pulled out of the Jeep Cherokee. Uh, I, th I think it was a Jeep Cherokee or Wrangler, Jeep Wrangler, if you remember that video. And there were, you know, people are laughing, sharing it on Twitter, making fun about the fact that, you know, her, her trousers were, you know... Uh, Bloody. The back of her wow. trousers. Yeah, and they're saying, oh, you know, making... Okay, you can hate your enemy. I bet a lot of Israelis, when they hear that 20 Hamas members got killed, they enjoy it. But there's a difference between hating your enemy and being a sick idiot who enjoys another human being suffering all that. You cannot be normal, and I've said that in Arabic, on TV. You cannot be normal and enjoy that. And when you see that of the Arab world, even in countries where you guys think you have peace, like Morocco, we see, we see Moroccans making comments that they loved it and they wish they could see more of it. And trust me, guys, there are videos which are sickening, like this young woman who's naked, obviously got raped. And uh, when she's dead, she's covering her face. So basically, whatever, you know, that was being done to her sexually, you know, after the... Hamas guy finished, he shot her while she's covering her face because she didn't want to see what was happening. And I've seen a video where they catch, you know, they stop pulling prisoners. I have the video on, on my computer. And there's, you know, two Israeli guys, and you can tell from the structure, the stature, that they are soldiers in civilian clothes. And one of them has his fingers gone, shot. And they start dumping all three Israeli young men. They're not young, like late 20s. Dumping them in the back of the truck, Tamar. And then this 
really, really beautiful 17-year-old, 16-year-old girls comes. You know, she's like, you know, you know girls at that age. They're like like really fresh and innocent and, and you know, innocent. And they're pulling her and they, they, the Hamas boys want to throw her on top of the truck with the other guys. And he said, no, wait, wait. This is Sabia. Keep her here. Sabia means female slave. So basically, I'm not sure what happened to that girl, but, you know, uh, I think we can all assume what happened. And uh, uh, I have someone, it's difficult to talk about this. I have someone who's in Israel involved in uh, dealing with trauma. And he told me how a lot of the girls, they're not talking about it to the public, but they got rapes. So when you see my people, 400 million Arabs, the majority of them celebrating this. What does that tell you about our people? It's impossible that you're going to endorse the rape of a 16-year-old girl because she's Jewish without you being a sick individual who would actually assault your own children. It shows that we have deep issues, much deeper than you think. And I think for in the case of Jews, this is for Jews. This is a case of a, a point of no return. They will never be able to trust our region again. Not for the next two thousand years. I think they'll never be able to trust what again? Your religion? You said I didn't. They understand. will never be able to trust people of our region. Region, okay. Region. Mm-hmm. They will never be able to trust Middle Easterns, including uh, the so-called peaceful ones like um, Jordan, uh, Morocco. You know, and I think as bad as it was, it was sovereign for them to understand what's really going on. So if you wish to move to Gaza. Yeah, I, I want to hear you said that you're in touch with people in Gaza and some of the things that they were telling you. Can you share that? OK, first of all, uh, it, it the Israeli army has literally finished, I can authoritatively say, over 80 percent of Hamas. Uh, the tunnels in the north. North, northern Gaza and central Gaza have all, like, almost all been destroyed. They've been detected using incredibly advanced tactics in which they've received help from the uh, Americans, to be honest, the U.S. military intelligence. And uh, they've been able to detect those and destroy most of them. So Hamas doesn't have a functioning tunnel system in the north and in, uh, in the center of Gaza. In the south of Gaza, they've destroyed a good number of them, but still in the process. And uh, the Khan Yunus, the south of Gaza, where I understand one of your boys is there, uh, the the resistance, the level of resistance from Hamas is very, very, you know, very, very diminished compared to what it was two weeks ago. Uh, The Israeli army controls, basically, from a strategic point of view, Controls Gaza now in the sense of who goes in and who comes out. Control areas. And uh, uh, there has been a huge, Hamas sustained a huge number of casualties. On the other hand, the number of uh, 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 casualties on the Israeli side are actually heavy. There has been a lot of boys, you know, who paid the ultimate price for the country. And, uh, but... The Hamas, it's safe to say it's been at least, this is not, these are not my figures, 8,000 Hamas members have been killed so far. And uh, They say that there's around 30,000 fighters, I understand. 
No, no. The the Hamas members confirmed deaths, at least as we speak, are eight thousand. Right. No, but I'm saying that there are fighters, uh, like their their quote unquote army was thirty thousand or so uh, armed fighters for Hamas. So if it's eight thousand fighters who could put up a fight, uh, thirty thousand. So we still have twenty, but they they don't have. they're running out of places to hide. They're, they're running, uh, and the local, this is something why you need to understand Gazans. The local population resents them, hates them. And that's why when they catch a Hamas, I, I, I have videos, I have loads of videos proving what I'm saying here. When they catch a Hamas member, you know, off guard, they would hurt them because Hamas is stealing the food. So the pop, they are dealing with a, an Israeli army on the ground and in the sky. A hostile local population to the Hamas, whether you believe it or not. And on top of it, they're running out of supplies. And uh, supplies as in food, ammo, and many other things. Uh, they're, they're using a new kind of RPG. It's called the uh, Yassin 105. It, it, did, it has caused a lot of problems for the Israelis at the beginning. Because what they do is... They uh, launched it. It's a like a will pierced, uh, a piercing RPG, uh, uh, you know, cannon which would first penetrate the the skin of the Merkava, and the other hit. The way they do it is two hits would actually go inside. The Israelis were able to deal with that very quickly by uh, a lot of technical methods, and Hamas's armor is diminishing. Well, bottom line is Gaza is finished. The Israelis have decided to put Gaza on the back burner at the moment. Let me repeat. The Israelis have decided to put Gaza on the back burner at the moment because they have a bigger fish to fry in the north. So they don't want to finish Gaza now. And it's not maybe the best idea to finish it now because they want to sustain an alternative for Gaza. And it's not the time to do it now, especially that... uh, the eyes are all in the north. The north is a much bigger problem. What Hamas, alternative for Gaza do you are you speaking of? They're working on it. They're working on it right now. And I can't talk much about what I know here, but they're already working on it. They want uh, the Israeli army to remain to secure securities because they can never trust Gazans they're running around with, with guns uh, uh, at Israel's borders again. So the Israeli army will be there. No international troops are going to ever enter Gaza because this means trouble. The Europeans are trying, but, you know, evidence shows that whenever we bring the UN, there's trouble. So Israel said no. Uh, Israeli army will remain in Gaza until a proper alternative is there. This, for now, they're going to get the tribal leaders. The tribal leaders uh, will divide Gaza into territories, into counties, Potentially 22 different counties, each controlled by a leading uh, family, a leading tribe to provide food, help, and bring issues to the attention of the Israelis like healthcare and others. Because unlike what many people think, Israel does care for Gaza and Israel doesn't want to kill Gazans and takes no joy in, sh- in seeing them suffer. Uh, that's what's going to transpire for Gaza for now. Okay, uh, I want to just remind our listeners that the United Nations bases that were in Gaza were used by 
the Hamas to launch missiles from or right nearby, and their equipment was used as well in uh, in their terrorist uh, endeavors. So, I, and I want to want people to understand why international troops are not acceptable to be there for our security. Uh, I want to well, ask will, you: Will you be in too nice, Tamar? Uh, let's let's be clear. There's mountain evidence of UN entities being accomplices to terrorists by either corruption, UN officials taking money to smuggle weapons and other, other stuff for the terrorists, or just by in, incompetence. This was the case in Lebanon. It remains the case in Lebanon. And this remains has always been the case in both Judea and Samaria and Gaza, big time. Okay. So it's not only being, you know, incompetent, it's also, it's much of it is not by coincidence. I, I want to ask you, Israel, one of the goals of this war is, is not only to rid the world of the Hamas ISIS, but also to free the hostages. And there's a debate what the best way is. I'd like to hear your opinion if you were uh, to uh, in charge of getting the hostages back home, freeing them. What would do you think would be the best tactic? Because you could either go in by force and try to free them like Israel did in Entebbe in Africa when there was a plane hijacked, or uh, you can do the uh, exchange exchange uh, deals with Hamas, but that means you'd have to let out a whole bunch of Hamas prisoners that are convicted murderers and or uh, convicted terrorists and, and uh, th- there's a price to that as well. What would you say? Well, um, you can't negotiate the terrorists because uh, the way Hamas, what Hamas thought at the beginning and it's not only Hamas, Hamas and those working with it two Arab countries in particular when they were consulting with Hamas uh, months before the attack. And let me just say this. We knew, the intelligence world knew about the likelihood of the attack. I personally have known about it since February. Only the intel present suggested that the attack would come from the north or, believe it or not, from the Jordanian borders. Well, it came from the least expected places because nobody thought Hamas would go on a suicide mission like they did. So, bottom line, Hamas thought that with that number of refugees, Israel is going to strike him for a couple weeks. Then they're going to start negotiating release of hostages. I can confirm to you from well, well-connected sources that Israelis have always, in this case, have several times rejected lousy offers to release the hostages. Offers like you release, it's called everyone, quote unquote, the concept of all in exchange of all. We give you all the hostages in exchange of all convicted terrorists being released, every single one of them. Israel said no, and they kept trying to blackmail Israel with it, and uh, Netanyahu wouldn't budge. Uh, sadly, the minute those Israelis uh, went to, uh, were, you know, kidnapped into that other territory, they were, in my opinion, finished. It's heartbreaking. Maybe some of the relatives are listening. The minute they made it to Gaza, they were doomed, unless Miracle chooses, God chooses some of them to survive. Um, one thing that was very notable, that yesterday, I think, two Israeli, not sure of the date, was it yesterday or the day before? It's actually the day before, but the news came yesterday. Two Israeli hostages got killed, and Hamas claimed that got killed because of the bombings. 
uh, will the in intel we have suggests otherwise suggest Hamas executed them uh, in order to keep playing you know that this card yes a lot of some or even a lot of uh, hostages were killed in the bombings but uh, it is what it is it's called war this is how war operates sadly so then you, your opinion would be that Israel needs to keep uh, the pressure on Hamas and uh, fight to win in order to free the, the 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 hostages and not to do any deals with them we need to get rid of the cancer okay you can't coexist with a cancer especially an operable one I, I want to ask you uh, about the Houthis now that are in Yemen. And for anyone who doesn't know the map of the Middle East, Yemen is the southwestern border of Saudi Arabia. And it aligns with the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aqaba. And I wanted to ask you, uh, with the Houthis now pirating ships, stopping international shipping, because a lot of uh, ships are afraid to go through there because they're, they're afraid they're going to be targeted. And now ships are shipping goods. Instead of going through the Suez Canal, they are going now through uh, the bottom tip of Africa, which is a long way to go to get to Europe and or the United States, etc. cetera. Uh, what do you see happening here now? Because it, we see now the United States and the UK, the United Kingdom, and even Sweden is talking about forming this coalition to go against the Houthis. What, what is your view on all of this? Well, the Houthis is about the most important issue at hand at the moment because uh, the Houthis is, uh, you know, God's vengeance on a lot of people who supported Iran. Uh, the Houthis were tolerated, supported, and propped up by a lot of European countries, including a lot of NATO members who were and remain supportive of Iran. And now, thanks to the Houthis, uh, the Houthi has blocked navigation through the Dead Sea, sorry, the Red Sea. It's not going to hurt Israel because Israel uh, has the Mediterranean, but it will damage uh, and raise the prices of insurance and transportation for cargo into Europe. Outcome is uh, food prices here, and uh, you know you might tell your listeners that I live in London, UK. Food prices having have surged in a very very rapid pace. Like uh, like lemon, for example, ten percent per day over the past week. Like so, it's 60 percent more expensive now. And so for oil and so on. So those people who are too st not stupid, you know, lame enough. Or, you know, I can't even find the word to support Iran and the Houthis are now tasting their own medicine. On the other hand, I, my, to the best of my knowledge, the U.S. and the uh, Brit and Britain, they're not interested in extracting the Houthi or destroying that terror group at the moment. They're interested in preventing it from uh, uh, disruption navigation. So the purpose is to teach them a lesson and stop the nonsense, but not to destroy them uh, like the way Israel is destroying Hamas now. They will be dealt with, but not today. And that I can confirm. I've met some friends recently who were very convinced, friends in high places, who were convinced both the U.S. and Britain are going to go after the Houthi to the end, but it's not the case. Uh, there are, there, there are, um, there's a much bigger fish to fry in the region. 
And, uh, that, and that, fish is? To fly bege- that fish to fly begins with the tail. The tail is uh, north to Israel, Hezbollah. There's a whole Iranian apparatus in the region, which, if you wish, I can list the countries one by one, if you wish. Go ahead. We, we know that Iran is like the octopus with its tentacles or proxies, and Hezbollah is one. We know that the Hamas is one. We know that the Houthis are one. But keep going. The countries who are affiliated directly with Iran, who are in the Iranian camp, and the Iranian camp, let me be, before I list the name of the countries, the Iranian camp is not just crazy mullah sitting in Tehran. The Iranian camp is actually a huge lobby within uh, the U.S. establishment itself. So the uh, CIA in particular has always been tolerant and forgiven for Iran because the uh, globalist forces within the CIA apparatus have seen Iran as a necessity to blackmail Arab countries and Israel, both. So it's a tactic, you know, you know, playing both ends against the middle. So it was a policy to prop up Iran all that time. And when, uh, and this might sound very, very strange for some of you, the champion of this policy was uh, Bush Senior, and the guy who really manifested this on the ground was Bush Junior. Dabia or Bush uh, Junior uh, handed Iraq down to Iran, which is a wealth of oil and minerals which Iran has been controlling since uh, since the American invasion. And he propped up a lot of Arab allies, pushed them into working with Iran. One of them is the King of Jordan. So now the countries who are working openly with Iran and who are against Israel, pro-Hamas, are the following countries. One, Oman, the Sultanate of Oman in southern uh, Arab pen- Peninsula. Two, um, uh, Sadly, as much as I hate to say this, Kuwait, Kuwait, Jordan, the King of Jordan, um, Palestinian Authority. Of course, they're going to go where the King of Jordan goes, and that's a different, whole different subject. Of course, Hamas, Egypt, President Sisi, very close to Iran, and of course, uh, Syria, Lebanon, Algeria. And some elements within the Turkish administration. So Turkey would usually side with Iran, but not all the time. This is the Iranian apparatus, and the fish to fry is this whole apparatus must either change or go. And this is why, have you ever wondered why the United States brought all those battleships? This is the largest deployment of battleships, uh, American battleships, since possibly since World War II. So why are they bringing all those ships into our region? Surely not to, not to fight Hamas. <laughs> they don't need ships to fight Hamas. Uh, the whole region is changing. Uh, most people don't understand, in my opinion, how big the event was on the 7th of October and how it's uh, going to ricochet across the globe. Do you think this is the, uh, the beginnings of World War III? No, there won't be a World War III. This is the beginning of the U.S. military establishment, the the patriotic establishment in Washington in particular. 
taking the bull by the horn and ending the marriage and nonsense committed by the globalists who whose main job was to create chaos and uh, balagan and problems all over the place. Let's just remember this, please. Bush Jr. W. was the one who prevented Israel from finishing off finishing off Hezbollah in 2006. Um, Bush Jr. is the one who's underneath, under his nose, under his watch. Hamas carried out a bloody coup and took over Gaza. Hamas would never pull this one off without the approval of their master, the Muslim Brotherhood in Jordan, and Muslim Brotherhood of Jordan would never approve this without an okay from the King of Jordan, and the King of Jordan would never give him an okay without an okay from the CIA under George W. Bush. Let's not forget Hezbollah when Israel was forced to, under Clinton to evacuate southern Lebanon and leave it for Hezbollah. It was also pushed by the deep state in Washington. You can ask Ehud Barak about that because he ran away basically just with his tail between his legs. He came out of Lebanon with no questions asked. And the U.S. administrations at the time, Bush administration, was the one who forced Sharon to evacuate Gaza and pull those Israeli settlers in their pajamas out of their homes. And I have people who knew Sharon directly, and I, I know more of the details than this about. So what does this what does this add up to? This conflict, Tamer, is designed to be sustained for as long as possible. The, and look how many conflicts. The Arab-Israeli conflict, which for me is like a joke, you know, the way the whole thing is being won. The North Korean-South Korean conflict. The um, war and terror. There's no war on terror. It's actually a war to sustain terror, as in, you know, <laughs> this for that, you know, two, you know, both ends against the middle again. I don't think most of those promoting the war on terror in the West are even serious about tackling terror. The uh, war on drugs, it's all being sustained. It's the oldest trick in the book. You start a crisis and you run it and control everyone else through it. Now, the powers that be in Washington, and those I can assure you, the ones, the patriots in Washington, very honest men and women, who really want peace. They are taking the bull by the horn and watch what's going to happen over the next 24 months in the region. By the end of 2025, you will witness, and I want you to mark every word here, you will witness the end of the Arab-Israeli conflict for good, forever. You will witness a regime change in Iran, which is not going to be through war. And you will witness sudden economic prosperity spreading across our region. This all began on the 8th of October when Netanyahu, whether you like the man or not, decided to go after the snake. I, I, I'm sorry. What is the catalyst that's going to all of a sudden bring this prosperity that you're talking about? 
and peace. The death, the death of the um, uh, radical groups causing chaos, including including the terror groups and the country, the countries that support them. And let me give you a prediction. I have my very good reasons to believe that the peace agreement Camp David is going to end at one point. Oslo is going to end at one point, officially end, be revoked. And the peace agreement with Jordan will be revoked. Because all of them, if you read really through them, they're not beneficial for the Israelis as a country and people. And they're not beneficial for the citizens in both Jordan, Egypt, or the Arabs in uh, Judea and Samaria. And those peace, so-called peace agreements have cemented, cemented the, situ- the status quo. If you listen to all of the old-school globalists of Washington, think tanks, or even, you know, Department of State officials, when you talk about Israel, they always tell you, we need to sustain the status quo, because the status quo is messed up, and that's what they want. So who is supposed to bring this new reality where we're going to see peace, and Iran is going to change its colors not by war, but... Men and women in uniform. In which in uniform? Israel, in Israel, in the United States, in Britain, in those three countries. And I dare not say much more about that. These are things I've seen with my own eyes, things I've been involved directly with, people I've spoken directly to in all the high and right places. We are looking at a new era, and once that this nasty phase has finished you will just get to realize that it was all bogus from the beginning. So you're saying that the United States, the United Kingdom, and Israel are going to be forming this coalition, and they're going to be ridding the world of terrorism and of uh, these evil regimes? They're going to rid our region. They're going to take out the trash tamer in our region. Trash has been spoiling our region left and right with flies, snakes, pests. They're going to take out the trash together and they've begun with Hamas. Wow, you and know I don't see that. I don't see that at all. Well, I don't well, see that at all. <laughs> okay, we'll watch. Because America is tying Israel's hands. I'll tell you that I've spoken with soldiers that are in Gaza and they are saying that they are motivated. They see what horrid things the uh, Hamas Nikim and the Gazans did in Israel with the massacre that they did, the raping, the torturing, the burning of people alive, putting a, a, a baby in an oven in front of their parents. And they saw the, the dead bodies all over the place and they are motivated to go in and get rid of this evil. And yet the Israeli leadership is bending backwards in order to uh, appease the United States under the Biden administration to supply wait just a second let me just finish to to supply humanitarian aid and give fuel and food to 
uh, to to Gaza, which is going to the Hamas and keeping them alive in the tunnels. And they're not able to win this war because our hands are tied. And on that, in addition, we have been instructed also by the American administration under Biden that they don't want us starting uh, to defend ourselves like we need to with Hezbollah on the northern border. We have to wait until we get hit first in order to do that. I don't see that you are what you're saying that we're going to have this unity together and we're going to clean up the world when these administrations uh, with with the UK and with uh, the United States and what we're seeing happening in the Hague right now with all of the world turning against Israel and want it to me as an Israeli it looks to me like they want the Hamas to stay alive they don't want Israel to finish off the Hamas because it weakens Israel and then Israel is pliable you can you can make them you can twist their arm and make them do things and control Israel and if Israel gets rid of the Hamas and we become strong we don't we're not as pliable and controllable well, I, by the outside I, forces I assure you that everything you said is actually true when it comes to people in big suits but when it comes to the military establishment, it's not the case. The American military establishment, and I cannot even, I can't even talk much about that. But trust me, they 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 answer only. And I hope you read this. They, you read between the lines when I say this. They they've said it. We answer only to the U.S. Constitution. They have had enough of the corruption and and incompetence of the establishment in Washington, which has started and sustained all those wars. And no, the delay in annihilating the rest of Hamas in Gaza is because there's a very valid reason to put Gaza on the back burner because there's a much bigger fish to fry. And until then, Gaza has to remain as is. And I can't, this is like above my pay rate to, 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 to leak why this is happening. But listen, the truth uh, will always come out through time. Hamas, in the next few months, will be totally finished for good. Hezbollah will be hit. And there, there will be some action in some countries neighboring Israel. Uh, you're going to post this online. And when this happens, you're welcome to interview me again and tell me how did you know and you were white. Or you're welcome to call me again and tell me, you know what? None of what you said came true. <laughs> well, I, I do know what we do agree on, Mudar, is that we want to see peace and prosperity in the world for not just our people, but for everybody. We're all brothers and sisters. And please, God, we should see an end to the evil that exists in the world. And uh, I really appreciate having you on and sharing with us what you know and uh, with about what you're hearing from your context. So thank you very much, and God bless us all. Thank you so much. And um, my plea to my Jewish friends, brothers and sisters, is to remember that not all Muslims and Arabs hate you. There's still light, light within the darkness. So God bless you Always. all, and shalom. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much. And everybody, you have been listening to the Tamar Yona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us. You can write info at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com or Tamar directly to me, T-A-M-A-R, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You've been listening again to the Tamar Yona Show here at Israel News Talk Radio. 
please tell your friends about the station. Not everybody knows that we exist. And we are, again, praying for peace for humanity and for the victory of good over the evil that we see. Thank you so much for being with us. 